With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that's bloody glad the season is over. This week on Heart and Hand, thank God the season is over. Welcome to Heart and Rangers Podcast, my name is David Rigger, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by the prodigal son, Mr Scott Vandenacker. Yay, the season's over, It's Yay. done, it's done, it's done. Uh, um, so, you know, we had this long climb, uh, we had uh, a three year jail sentence, uh, which was extended by a year for banter reasons, uh, under Ali, and four years later we made it back, Scott, to the promised land with all those glamorous fixtures, you know, Hamilton, Partick. Mother, hold on. Why? Why were we so desperate to get back? Because I think we get something like one point two million pounds a year more. Oh well, well, yeah, man. And look what we got with it. Do you know? What I actually thought I liked Ali. See Ali's comedy fourth year out the top flight. No, you didn't. I thought I thought that was quite subtle of Ali. You know, we'll get big crowds. Well, it was the third year? It was the third year because we came up third in the fourth. Year, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Third year, Ali. Sort of. You know, I'll fool them. I'll keep them down the lower leagues. It's more fun. It's just Ali being Ali. He's a lovable but a cuddly rogue, isn't he? Mm. Um, I don't know if you felt like that at the time. I think if anyone wants to go back in the archives, see, that's the problem. You and I have, have trouble lying now. Yeah. Not that it stops us. Not not that we've ever felt that we shouldn't. And people is, it li- is it lying, David? I, I don't think it is. I think it's just changing positions as the wind blows. Which is I mean- eminently sensible. People say that the stupidest type of people are people that can't change their opinion when new facts come in. Yes. Or change it back later, even with the same facts. Yes, that's... And that's us. That's I us, mean, yeah. What have we always said since we first met? There's no smoke without fire. Absolutely. And even if you start the fire. Even if it, my hands smell of petrol, there's no smoke without fire. No, absolutely. And uh, I, I've never argued that when it comes to right, right and wrong, uh, heart and hand will always be on the right side, whatever it's viewed as at the time. And I think that at this time, uh, we'll talk about the season more in a minute, I suppose. We, we'll talk about the last two matches, pretty meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but a defeat at home to Aberdeen, which is never meaningless, especially given the 26-year uh, unbeaten uh, run at home against them, was rather meekly surrendered. And then we went to St Johnston and played yeah, quite well after a, a fairly boring first half and deserved the victory. Thoughts on the, the two matches? Well, um, I'll show you how... First, we'll start with how naive I am, OK? At the first game, it was actually really good because um, we went out and met uh, your nephew, your, your family nephew, mm-hmm. Donald, yes. and then we met a couple of guys later that you knew in the tube and we all went for a pint and it was actually a really good night. And we were in the pub and I said, well, I'm quite confident about tonight because surely they couldn't let us down. Not Aberdeen, not the 26-year thing. And I said... All, oh, no, all four of you dropped your pints. <laughs> and went, 
what the fuck are you talking about? Of course we'll lose. A few people had said yeah, to me, yeah. you know, surely the players will know how much this means to us and understand they've got a duty to. And I was like, have you met this lot? Is this your first trip? Tybrox this season? And, you know, sure as fate, the, what I will say is we had a back four uh, that started off with the, the two youngsters in at Bates and Aidan Wilson make his debut and then Miles Beerman come on um, because Hodson got injured early on and those kids didn't let us down and Aidan Wilson in the two matches looked really good but uh, it, it's all one of, the problems lay further forward yeah it's one of those situations as you said before the match standing you know in the pub and then talking to other other fans in, on their way into the ground you looked at that midfield and you thought that that's a problem um, that's that's going to cost us and it did and the problem was Aberdeen are not a great side and do have this sort of Glasgow phobia about them um, they could have overrun us in the first half and they didn't and once they got to 2-0 uh, I was I was worried I genuinely thought oh, this, this could get nasty uh, we got a goal back with a nice bit of play from much maligned Josh Windus and a great finish from, from Martin Waghorn and then it was almost like Aberdeen said right okay we're not losing. We're not losing another goal. Let's just keep them at arm's length, and we're not good enough to get past a solid team when they're keeping us at arm's length. And that's we had a kind of half chance for Windass that fell in the box, but that was really about it. Yeah, I mean, Aberdeen did the same sort of thing that we did, but they just worked harder. Like they had a four-three-three going forward, and it went to four-five-one. Mm. But their two wide midfielders were much, much more eager to track back and and make the shape. And the three oh. in the centre looked like three centre midfielders <coughs> and knew what they were doing. Whereas, yeah, you know, when you ours put... were just all over the place. And when we did get forward, as, you, as we were saying at the game, nobody pulled back in time. Nobody tracked their runners. Aberdeen made the shape again much quicker. And as you say, we lost the ball. They dropped back into bank of four and a bank of... We couldn't get through that. No, we, we, we were did, too we, slow we, and we moved the ball. Like it, no. I mean, the, I, I will give the, the team, especially the youngsters, credit because they, they could have collapsed. Uh, the, the mood in, in Ibrox 2-0 was, was angry and rightfully so they could have collapsed and they didn't and they dug in and I, it, it was one of those nights where I'm sitting looking at it and I'm going this isn't a lack of effort you know this isn't they don't care anything like that this is just they're not very good and they've bumped into a side here who are a bit smarter who are a bit bigger, bigger you know a bit You're stronger bigger, yeah. a bit more organised uh, and that's not a reflection on Pedro Cusina by the way in case anyone thinks I'm having a dig I'm really not because obviously he's inherited a piss poor squad of which several have clearly chucked it and have been sent to Coventry uh, hopefully literally in, in the case of Houston and he had to pitch in kids and, and what he was left with of the first team squad and they were just a bit better than us on the night and they gave it as much as they could they just don't have the talent to, to overcome that sort of adversity and it showed but um, the other pleasing thing from the night was young Barjonas is that how you pronounce it? Barjonas? Barjonas Barjonas yeah. um, his song as someone suggested to me should be My Name Is uh, Jonas by Weezer I want everyone to listen to that so My Name Is Jonas by Weezer and you can fit a bloody good uh, Barjonas song into that he came on looked really assured and quite you know, we mentioned the physical difference. He didn't look like he, he looks a bit of a unit. That got him a start on Sunday, and I, I really was impressed. I thought he had a terrific performance. Uh, and again, I thought that the young centre halves performed really admirably. I think what probably pisses you off at this late stage in the season is that everyone's talked about how difficult it's been for players and all the change in shape. And uh, see, when you see Bates, Aidan Wilson, Beerman, and Barjonas. The effort they put in, the ability they showed just to clear the lines, and in Barjonas' case, the ability on the ball. Mm. They showed more in three or four games than most of them showed in the 33 preceding games. And I, we've been spoon-fed stories, you know, the leaks, David, you know what it's like, that nobody can understand Warburton then, Kachina, it's difficult for them, too much pressure, you know, all this, that Celtic were too strong. The kids showed that at age of 18, ranging to 21, they managed to stand up to physical tackles, clear their lines, not panic. All these things that supposedly were impossible for our team to manage in all the preceding ones. And I'm not saying it's what might have been, but it does give lie to some of the absolute shysters that have been masquerading as first-team players. Playing in the SPL doesn't appear to be as hard as some have let on, is all I'm going to say. Looking at the efforts of the kids who were thrown into the situation and seemed to cope remarkably well to me. I was 
angry after the the Aberdeen game for the obvious reason. You know, it's it's twenty. It's been a long time. And since... it's funny. The other thing is, it doesn't matter about the record so much as they hate it. And it was really, really funny. Yes. It irritated them so much. Yes, exactly. And it was it was just something to lord over them. And I mean, in a way, I suppose it kind of takes attention away out of it because you know it would always have been there. But I was angry coming out and I was raging at Pedro and I thought I should have packed the midfield and he should have done all that. And then I thought, do you know what? He's got left kids and the ragtag bunch of first teamers that have been featuring because all the others have pissed off, uh, if mentally, if not physically. And I believe switched off. Physically. In fact, there wasn't 11 to pick. Yeah, I mean, I that, some of the ones he picked have chucked in. Yeah, that, absolutely. And, and there are, you know, the players that you haven't seen this last month, um, yeah, there's, there's a reason for that. So. I thought that you're right. The kids have come in and they've looked organised defensively. They look fine. They look as though they know what they're doing, which is which is clear. I am a touch concerned about this instant judging that's going on with some of our players and our yeah. inability to allow youngsters to. Are you talking about Mister Bates? I'm talking about Master Bates and and possibly Master Bators who just leap on that. And I mean, I'm getting all that. I don't fancy. Oh, you know, he can't do this. He can't do that. OK, right, yeah, he's young. Can we look at what he can do and then see if maybe we can develop it? And this... I, we talk about not having a track record of bringing through young players, and I wonder if that's because, unless they're exceptional, and I'm thinking, you know, when Barry Ferguson came in, Barry Ferguson was born 30 in terms of his footballing brain, you know? Ah, he was you, great at football, yeah, yeah. You, you could see it. And unless we've got somebody that comes in and just hits the ground running and is consistent... You, we might not see the best of David Bates or Aidan Wilson or, or Beerman. Beerman's getting a lot of abuse and I think a lot of it stems from the tackle in the 5-1. I understand because it was painful, but people just go, nah, I've not got it. Rubbish. I mean, I've actually seen terms like that banded about and I'm sort of like, well, you know, come on. You might not see the best of these guys for a year or two or whatever, but we've got to give them a chance because if you are going to operate on this, this sort of judging system where it's they get two or three matches, and then that's it, the pish. Even if they've come in and they do really well, Aidan Wilson's come in and done really well in the first two matches, he will have a dip in form. All youngsters do. It is inevitable. And it's up to us then to guide them out of that and to help them get through it and, and hopefully become better players for it because every professional footballer goes through it. And I don't know, does it go back to this? It's the same when you see some of the names mentioned about signings and... I just wonder if people were maybe spoiled growing up and they just cannot adapt to this. And it's not coincidence that we haven't brought through young players because when we're putting them in, we're not prepared to go, okay, yeah, right, I accept you've got flaws, we can work in them, but you know what, you're good at X, Y and Z and that's enough for now, but the manager should be drilling you on this and I hope you're learning from it. We don't do that and that's wrong. You've, you've got to... And some of these kids will, you know, some of these kids will fail, Absolutely. But see, any time a kid comes in, I, I hate this gambit of going, same with signings actually, but I hate this gambit of going, ah, it's pish, because you can't lose. It's the Hugh Keevans always predicting Rangers will win the league thing. Yeah, you say it, but secretly you hope you're wrong. So if a kid comes in and you go after three games, ah, he's absolutely pish. If it turns out not to be, and people go, you were wrong, you go, yeah, and I'm really happy to be proved wrong. Don't do that, right? Just so you can go, if he is pish, I told you. You know, I'm a football expert. Give the kids some backing. There was a reason he got to this level. And let's see if we, as a support, can play our part in maybe helping him and taking him on to the next level. Exactly. And I've made some notes from that. Um, you're spot on. First thing, the mighty hoops, who are on top of things with the money, they brought through very, very few players and even less of them are capped for Scotland. So... Th- People talk about they've got the money and the time. They've had four years, five years of free run at it. They found it hard. So it's not like Scottish footballs like Germany or Spain. And you're totally right. People should remember this. It'll be rare to bring through a genuine shining talent. And we have to give them time to see how they develop. It's not like, oh, God, these five are pushed. There'll be another ten in the next Uh, age group. Next. Just give them a chance. Secondly, with Bates, and I'd like to ask you this seriously. Think about this, okay? David Bates came to us from Wraith, and a lot of people were on websites saying, ah, oh, his distribution's terrible. See, for us, you, now you've not missed a game, I've missed, you've not missed a game really. When has David Bates's passing got us into trouble? For us, not for Wraith. When has David Bates got us, cost sold a goal 
through his supposed terrible distribution. No, I, I agree. I, I, yeah, I, can't, I can't offhand remember an absolute howler where he has come out, and I can remember it from Wilson and from Kiernan. Yeah, what he does do, he rolls it too much to the likes of uh, uh, Toral. Maybe he does. He, he rolls 10 yards past him. But, but as a jockey, Bjorklund did that. Yeah. Bjorklund rolled the ball to his midfield every time. So I would say that I've not seen this terrible distribution that costs us goals. Haven't witnessed it. He can also head the ball and clear his lines, unlike almost all of our defence except for Hill. Secondly, uh, Beerman. Now, David, I was lucky. I'm a very lucky man. But in the spring of 1989, I was at Parkhead. Okay? Mm-hmm. That doesn't and make you we, lucky. Jesus. No, well, we won there for the first time in nine years. Oh, okay. Right? okay. We won there for the first time in nine years. But during that game... There was a penalty which Joe Miller hilariously missed. I recall right. that, yes. It wasn't that a twice taken penalty. You missed yes. twice. Yes. Conceded God. by Richard Goff. Now, is Richard Goff shite? <laughs> he gave away a penalty against Celtic. That's no, that's a crime, David. That's unforgivable. I, I, so I just Richard find Goff, this you know, Scott, I just find it such a cheap way of, of thinking about the young players where you, you automatically label them pish because then if they are you can go, ha, I was right. And you don't realise that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're then looking at them and judging them. And we judge them on what they do wrong. We, we, we ignore. They can they can do well for 89 minutes and make a mistake and that's what we focus on. And they're not going to improve with us if, if that's the case. And then it's justified with, well, it's difficult to play for Rangers. Yes, it is. Can we maybe do a bit to, to make it a bit easier? Absolutely. But And also, I think... Um... Let's stem on from that. There. Like, it's easy, though. If you're a player leaving the game and you've been horsed 5-1 by Celtic, the worst home defeat in the history of Celtic, you're looking for a scapegoat, right? Yeah. So who's easy? Uh, a, a, a kid. You can dump him. Fuck him. You know, Lee Wallace is coming back. It was his fault. In the context of the game, it was not Beerman's fault that we lost 5-1. But it's easy. You don't have to pick your own favourite. You don't have to pick any of the established players. You don't have to pick in somebody that Kachina might keep next season. So you look like a dick in front of your pals. You pick... An 18-year-old guy and got it's his fault. It's cowardly, and I hate using that word, but, but if you came out of these, the recent run of bad games against Celtic and said that Beerman was the reason, I put my finger on it, and that's why we lost to Celtic, it's just utter shite. Mm. And it's a coward's way out as well. Yeah. Um, get, the, get the lads be, are doing the best they can them. do. Yeah, absolutely. Get behind the youngsters. Mark is always saying that. Well, he gets right behind youngsters, yeah. Um, yeah. Slovakian youngsters usually. Yeah. But oh, And as you say, but Jonas, I mean... I would like to see this panoply, I'll use that word, David, of midfielders who've been better than him. Yeah, he's, eight, he's 17, yeah, he's local, and yeah, he's not very glamorous because he's from Cumbernauld. But um, <laughs> who's been better than him in midfield this season from the few games he's played? Get behind him and see if all of these players, Bates, Wilson, none of them make the first team eventually. Well, that can happen in football. But you know what won't help is you boon them, uh, people. So, and I'm not sure that our demographic, I think, of the people that are, and I feel sometimes that you and I howling into the void because the folk that listen and download to this probably agree yes but say it to your mates say it to your dad say it to the guys in your RSC give the kids a break we've been let down by a lot of players this season and I really would not say that Bates Beerman, Wilson and Barjonas were, were amongst those who let us down this season no absolutely and and you know they might turn out to be very serviceable players for us they might turn out not to be but you're right. I mean, I've already seen things like we've brought through four or five players the last few weeks to, to debut level. Guys going, great, get Atakai in as well. And you're like, it's this thing, it's almost like magpies, you know, I, I need new, shiny and new. And uh, right, we've tried him, he's pish, get him in. And you're right, there, there aren't 20 or 30 guys right behind them. You get through a crop, four or five every couple of years, and then you've got to try and make a situation where you get one or two of them through to either being a good solid pro for you or sellable um, and, we, and we don't have that before we move on to the overhaul uh, expected overhaul or uh, necessary overhaul uh, there was a first of all I wanted to, to congratulate the Rangers support because we had officially the largest away support in the UK this year which... yes I noticed we also had the highest away support in every stadium in the SPL Except for Motherwell because they had to cut their... Is that right? Yes, they cut our tickets after mm. what happened in the playoffs. Well, when they so, they cut our tickets because their fans acted like children. And attacked us, yes, apparently, yes. But so we'd... In every other SPL ground, and St Johnston at the game in December had the highest attendance at the new stadium, I think, I believe. So The new yes. stadium? 
The, yeah, it's been open for 14 years, hasn't it? And apparently the no, highest... it's been open since like the 80s. Well, yeah, apparently it's just the highest for, well, however many years. <laughs> the new studio, fucking 30 years. Well, I, well, you know what I mean? But we set a record, I think. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, because you think, yeah. you think that 1992 was six years ago. Um, I believe there's a new band you like called Black Grape. They're just out with the latest <laughs> this, big combo activities. This yeah. Britpop. Uh, it's, it's going well. Yeah. It's, going, it's going well. That's, that's, yes, but yeah. So congratulations, and even then, a Sunday morning to go to Perth uh, for, for no for no for reason. no reason for, for a no kickabout. Not even a Saturday three o'clock. A Sunday, twelve forty five. Whatever it was, kickoff. We took five and a half hours, and, and, and it was great. And Rangers played reasonably well and won, you know, in the end of a kind of long and fairly arduous season. Ah, can I say though? Can I say something about your point? Sorry, we're getting slammed in the press by more than one journalist for having fun. Yes, we you are. See that? Yes, the fans well, apparently weren't great and jolly. Kachina was making a fool of himself by posing with the fans. Yes, the fans shouldn't have been happy. Shouldn't have tap travelled through, and uh, everyone disgraced himself by going to the game. And having fun at the game, basically, yes. Be- P- Pedro Kashina at the end. There's some, there's some really beautiful pictures of before the match. Pedro Kashina was over um, chatting to disabled, young disabled supporters, and yeah. you can just see the absolute joy on their faces and the photographs. I mean, these are memories that last forever. That wasn't what the press focused on. At the end of the match, Pedro Kashina walked over to away support, some of whom I think might have um, been merry. Shall no, we say. yeah, no, I, th- I think so. On the so. Sabbath? On the Sabbath. Possibly from the night before. Okay, you I know. Hope so. Yeah, I'm sure they all stopped drinking at twenty three fifty nine on the Saturday evening, uh, as our Lord intended. And they you know, they, they gathered around him because hey, it's the Rangers manager and, and delighted to see him. And they started doing the bouncy, right? And Pedro stood there, you know, kind of smiling, amused, you know, probably wondering what the hell was going on. But, you know, he's from Portugal, fans of weird traditions. He knows that. It's fine. Cool, right? Lovely wee moment, end of. Literally not given a second thought by anyone who isn't a, a basically a rabid Rangers hater. So the next thing comes out, uh, you, you saw the tweets coming from the usual bellicose idiots. Uh, huh, a Rangers manager celebrating third. Well, it, who said he was celebrating third? Who said he was celebrating anything? He was just over with the fans and maybe they were, you know, celebrating the end of the bloody season. Or would Walter Smith have done that? Would Walter Smith have stood while fans jumped about? Yes, he bloody well would have. Now, he didn't celebrate anything. That's your interpretation. You've chosen to put this negative interpretation and now you're pushing it as fact. And you get upset when people turn around and say to you, actually, no, that that's bollocks, that's not what happened. Then the cracker is, well, that's how it's being viewed as. By who? No Rangers fan I've met thought that. Not a single Rangers fan I know mentioned it. It's been mentioned by you, the media, in a self-created shitstorm. And this fall was hot on the heels. BBC Scotland actually tweeted that they were going to have a discussion about this. Right? Hot on the heels of the did Rangers over-celebrate a last-minute win at Partick Thistle. And it's quite clear that it doesn't matter what we do. If we wrote, if our away support turned out their, their trousers, right, and every penny they had and donated thousands to UNICEF, they would be upset about the denominations in which we, we gave the money. It's, it's beyond ridiculous. It's actually sad and tragic that these idiots uh, feel the need to do that. And like I say, we've talked about this, Scott, and I'm sure you know, we'll talk about it today. The undercurrent with Pedro, the professor, the funny foreigner, it's not done this way in our country, as Charlie uh, Nicholas said. If you're being kind, that's xenophobic. Mm-hmm. If you're being kind. If you're not, there's some seriously dodgy undertones to that. But even going past that, because I don't think they're racist, I think they're stupid, I think they're ignorant, I think they're small-minded. But even moving past that, it's quite clear it's then sneering at young working class guys paying money to go and enjoy themselves at the football by people who do nothing but suck the money, the joy and the interest out of our game. People in the Scottish media that are 30 years behind the time that we know right now are sitting behind a fucking typewriter, or sorry, typewriter, they probably are a typewriter, but clacking away with shit like lines up a shock swoop. Transfer window slam shut. You write the same shit you've been writing for 30 years. During that time, Scottish football has become a standing joke and you've played a part in it. Absolutely. I mean, the, the way I would look at it and every Rangers fan I've spoken to has looked at it, 
is Pedro was trying to bring back some sort of passion. The first thing he identified about our play was how anemic it was and how nobody seemed to give a shit. He said that repeatedly. And I think at the end of the season, he could not believe that 5,500 fans came at noon on a Sunday. And he went over to them. And I think a lot of fans were happy, but yes, I was happy. I thought, Pedro, seemed, I don't know how good he'll be. I don't know whether he'll be a successful manager. But he's, he's highlighted what we've all highlighted. He instantly has put his finger on the pulse, which is, we're anemic, we pass the ball sideways and nobody cares and we go overrun in midfield. He's identified the type of player we need and the passion that this club needs and the size of the club. And he think look up to the fans. It's a bonding moment. It's something the fans are proud of. But the way it was portrayed was simply incredible. And I would like to say as well that it's because they think that we were going to die. I was talking to a Celtic fan of our acquaintance and he grudgingly, grudgingly, said that the players should have done a lap of honour for us. He said, you've been out for the count down four years, shite in SPL, and he said, you're still selling out all your tickets for every game. And that was a lot coming from him. But he said, you should get laps of honour as the fans done by... By the, the players, players. Yeah, should, should This be. was never... Yep, this was never the plan. We should have been dead by now. And they're absolutely seething. I the just problem think... they had on Sunday... Go on, Tony. Yeah, it was, so, there, there were so many fans there. And that they applauded Pedro, and that Pedro went over to them. That is what's galling them. I just can't take it seriously when we live in a country that masturbates itself uh, <laughs> into a frothy frenzy about the Tartan army. And yet we over-celebrate a last-minute goal, and apparently we're celebrating coming third. When incidentally, we were in the lower division last year, but over and above that. So it's just nonsense. And it's, it's they, they get upset when you say, oh, well, you know, you've got an agenda. They go, no, no. And I'm like, well, you view absolutely everything through a negative prism. You take something that isn't a story, try to create a story out of it. One that I, I genuinely do find offensive because apart from the xenophobic side of it, I think there's a real undercurrent of, look at this working class scumbags. Uh, look at these working class scumbags on their day out. You know, how dare they be pissed and having fun? And I resent that, especially because, you know, no offence, I've seen a lot of the journalists and they look as though they've been covered in glue and kicked through a USC um, and an age-inappropriate section of USC at that. So, I, I, you know, I'm not having it. The type of people that live in fucking, you know, semi-detached barrett houses. And I'll, and I'll say two more things on the matter. Number one, there's certain stories that they don't seem to be writing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would, um, yeah. A lot of open goals in Scottish football. And, and secondly, we're about to get hump England for the second time, and nobody, not one of them, has thought to write a long-form article on where we are, where we're going, where Scottish football fell off its its place, its axis, and what we can do about it in terms of budgets, what countries are comparable in size. Nothing. It's just Brendan's magic, Pedro's a wee dick. Yeah, and it's quite clearly very much a line that they've agreed it's one that they all follow and it's one that they look for evidence now a positive side to that is we can have doubts about Pedro right and I know a lot of people do and a lot of people do very vocally and at the moment I must admit I am very much in a wait and see camp because you can't really judge him I spoke about this you know what you think and what you feel and I've got my worries all that right but I'll tell you something there's nothing nothing is going to get the Rangers support behind someone than the Scottish media not liking them Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've decided that Pedro... I mean, it seemed to this thing, it was like, Pedro must go, because surely you all wanted Barry Ferguson and Alex McLeish. <laughs> We're on your side in this. And the fans are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. What? Look, look, Chris Boyd is, is, has written a long... Has written a long article here um, telling you that Pedro's... Is a that the one that went... Uh, that one? Scott, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's offensive to a lot of people. Oh, Yeah. But I'm talking about Chris Crean Boyd. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue the the intelligence levels of Chris Boyd. And again, it's just part of this weird thing that our our ex players they just don't know us. They just do not know us at all, and they don't know what we want. So there they go. You know, they don't realise that we despise the media. They go and pal about with them. They then write articles that are being fed or put their name to articles that are being fed to them by these guys, and then they get surprised when our fans go, "You're a fucking bell end." And they're like, oh man, you know, I'd scored X amount of goals for the club or the rest of it. You know, well, fuck up then. Yep. Do you think it's any surprise that it was JJ who got the gig? No. He doesn't, he doesn't network, he doesn't tweet about Rangers, and he's not in the journalist's pocket. 
it's no surprise of all the candidates that that he got it clearly. And I, I, I don't have any facts here, but I, I, I would certainly put my mortgage on it. They checked about the background about who leaks like a seven, who doesn't, and so, I'm utterly sure JJ got the job precisely because he knew the club, could speak good English, lived locally, but wasn't in that clique who told everybody stories in really posh restaurants in Lanarkshire uh, every Saturday night or Friday night. And I'm absolutely sure that's why he's our, uh, one of our coaches now. Well, when you see the interview details of one of the candidates being discussed by the candidate before the decision on who got the job has been taken, then, you know, you don't exactly need to be Sherlock Holmes to crack the case of who might be a, a leaker. But uh, moving on, that's, that's a lot of griping. And as I say, not... Not at the team, not at the club. No, it's I not. Think, you know, that's, that's just the thing. There's but a... we want the media to change. Can I also say, David and I, we partly say this, because David worked in the RST for years in the media, and I did a little bit, but Mark has done a lot of work. There's a need for a good media. There's a need for Scottish football in particular to, to find its new place, doesn't it? Mm. We need investigative journalists. We need journalists to know about football. We need our own Jonathan Wilson. We need people to talk about where we're going in this. We'd like it to change. The journalists, it's utter utter bullshit but that doesn't help us we're not laughing we're not saying and that's good can I just say it's terrible and we want you to get concerned as well our demographic the sort of slightly younger bears you have to get onto this you have to tweet these people and ask them why is none of your articles worth anything why do you not write about football why do you not seem to understand football why are we so poorly served by the written word and it's anger as well as poking fun at them I have to say because things have to change I just think it's the the reason that Rangers fan media is thriving, and I know that people will have their favourites because the old the old truism is true. If you had uh, four Rangers fans arrive on a desert island on a Friday by the Sunday, you'd have five RSCs. But um, there are so many places you can go. You know, there's shite like what we're doing. There's uh, proper podcasts about Rangers. There's uh, We Are The People magazine. There's, you know, websites, blogs. There's Mark's website, but there are other ones, you know. So you, you don't need to go to the mainstream for it. And to be honest, I, I get my news off of all the follow I've done for years, you know, and it's generally quicker and more reliable than the press. Fuck the press, get the Rangers news off follow follow. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's, uh, there's no doubt that it's... It, we're a demographic that's not being served, but what I like about our demographic is that we've went, well, fuck you, we'll do it ourselves. It's DIY, yeah. mate. Rangers support our punk rock, I've said it before. Um, we have underdogs near yeah, the establishment. If, they, if they're not caring to us, we'll do it ourselves and fuck them. And I love that. I love that we're all just, you know... And yeah, we have a lot of fights internally. Jesus, I mean, like I say, we're an argumentative bunch, but it's internally. You know, it's it's for us and with us and it's our community. And the famous bit in Trainspotting 2 that everybody talks about, um, and it was funny and all the rest of it, but there was one line, because it's satire and it's sending up a particular attitude, but there was one line that is actually true, and it said, they still have a sense of identity, and that is true, and they fucking hate us for that. They hate the fact that we know exactly who we are, and we know exactly who our allies are, and they can't stand that. Anyway, enough ranting and raving. Uh, talk to me about next season, Scott. Now, obviously, it's too early to, but we'll do a full season preview and everything. Uh, as we come to it, because it's not much of a break for us this year, mate. Um, we... We're back playing the Faroe Islands in yeah. about a week, a week and a half. Yeah, yeah so I mean, uh, we'll get a kind of. This is the. We're going to make this the last podcast of the season. We'll do one in the close season and then we'll, we'll kick it. We'll just start off again. But I think that only gives us about a three week break in total, or about three weeks where we don't actually have a pod out. But um, the early signs are a lot of. It seems to be a lot of, of rumours and movement at the moment. The the one that looks a done deal, and uh, I'm sure people will come back and say if this isn't the case, is Ryan Jack, the Aberdeen captain. Although not the captain anymore. They've uh, stripped him of the captaincy, and uh, he even if he's fit, pardon me, uh, even if he's fit for Saturday for the cup final, he will not be the captain. So... Because he's become a hun bastard. Yes. So I, I think he's he's he might be joining us. There's been some fantastic stuff on Twitter of Aberdeen fans going, ah, he's pish, uh, but we don't like it. And then people have been finding old tweets where they've been going on about what a good player he is. He's not a world beater, but he's better than what we've got in there. I think he is. Um, although, again, seeing that we found... It's like Bajonas. Bajonas in that midfield probably looked like me. Michelangelo, me and you, going for a wee painting session. I think, uh, yeah, because he was an actual proper midfielder playing in midfield. 
Yeah, and I think Ryan Jack, by virtue of the fact that apparently he can pass the ball, trap it, and tackle folk, mm-hmm. will immediately improve our midfield. So fair enough. Um, um, the the centre yeah. halves mentioned Bruno Alves, which we've said before still looks a terrific signing if we can pull it off. Uh, Rashid Sumayala, who could go either way. Nobody knows anything about. If we're being honest, let's. Uh, yeah. well, uh, uh, you know, the only time will tell. The manager knows him, and the manager's been here long enough. You would hope to know. My, my favourite exchange though was on Mark's website about this. So somebody said uh, Somalia. Nobody knows anything about him. He's been stuck in. He's never played in major league. He's been playing in the United Arab Emirates. And somebody came on and said, "Hi, but he's got three caps for Ghana." There's a wee pause, and the guy came on and said, "Have you seen fucking Ghana either?" <laughs> it's like, "Wonder, well, I haven't seen UAE league or Ghana. <laughs> I haven't seen it either." I've I've done that myself so, in, in the past, where I've um, been excited about signing, and I realised then it's because I think he's got acceleration rating eighteen, and it's from Football Manager. So yes. time, you know, you do sometimes it bleeds into reality. I mean, you're really excited, and it's based entirely on on some stat. But you know, there's a bit of truth to those games, so. Uh, I know people mock it, but they they do genuinely use research and stuff. But we, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's a gamble. At the end of the day, like I say, the manager knows him and now knows Scottish football. So you would hope that it's not just a case of oh, he's a good player. You hope that he's going. He's a good player, and he'll fit this. And he can he can put the boot in a bit. Yeah, he can stand up. Well, Alves can put the boot in a bit. Well, he put the boot in a lot. Yeah. Yeah. no, he's a master of the dark arts. Yeah. Why not? He can be. The, he can do the dark arts and the light. If we're two nil up and he decides to smash someone we don't like, I'm not going to complain. No, a couple of game bans. <laughs> that's fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah, bring in Bates and Young Wells. That's fine. You know, just just time it well, Bruno. Um, in attacking positions, now, there's lots of rumours at the moment. Vlad Vice, who. I think it's become the news of Alan Smith or Robbie Fowler of, of Rangers Rumours sent Twitter into meltdown with a, a kind of hinting tweet. I can't see that happening. I think he's just having a bit of fun. But, uh, you know, who knows? I, I, but I really don't see that happening because, well, he's not in Qatar for the weather or the politics. No, I think the tax free pot of gold. That we can't come close to matching might be. So uh, I, I love this job of Rangers fans. Every year, every summer, as uh, Kurt loves us, he's bound to just come for X number of grand a week. And people, are like, why? Why would you? It's, it's like you going. You know, I work in sort of online uh, social media content. I'm going to go to a job in Uzbekistan on a third of the salary because oh fuck it, I love Uzbekistan. Yeah, uh, it's not going to happen, and it's yeah, we'll see. You know, it'd be, be good if it did, but um, time will tell. It'd be a big one. Stephen Naismith, uh, that one has been rumoured for a few weeks. Obviously, no further forward at this point. And the latest one is Louis Moult of Motherwell, who finished the season with over twenty goals and eighteen in the Premier League itself. And there's talk of uh, money at a plus a one year loan for Michael O'Halloran. So, I mean, obviously, Scott, half of that deal would appeal to you. Yes, they can have them. The problem I had with the deal when you sort of told me about it last night was that it appears that we'd be paying for Louis Moult and for Michael Halloran. Mm. Um, I, I fully understand how it suits us with us paying 90% of O'Halloran's wages, but maybe somebody cleverer than me has worked this out that it's cost-effective. No, it, no. it's not, but well, what? It, there's two reasons for it. One... He has virtually no resale value at the moment because he's been such a big dud. Right? Yes. So at the moment, there are very few of the people that you would say he's definitely a payoff. He probably would be in the payoff. I mean, I think we'll be able to find clubs for most of them and, and actually get a fee in. Not great fees, but fees in for most of the ones we want rid of. But he he's not in that category. We overpaid for him and he has been garbage. So the idea of putting him out on loan would be that if he goes away, has a good year, he then develops some resale value, or you could, you know, have another go at my eyebrows. But the other thing is, people are automatically assuming that Motherwell won't half a million plus a one-year fully paid-for loan for Michael O'Halloran, and that means that's what it is. That's opening gambit stuff. So yeah, I mean, Louis Moult scored, I believe. Now you may be able to correct me because you're a Mister Stato, aren't you? Hmm. But I believe Louis Moult scored more goals against Celtic than we did as a team. <laughs> well, I don't, don't know that one offhand. I think he had five against them in these four games. And I think we managed in the league four. What I know is that... So, yeah, I mean, why not? People like Ishaik. Do you know why Ishaik, David? Because he plays in the SPL. Yeah, that's exactly it. And what I've seen from people is, well, I hope we'd be, you know, 
further along the road than that. Yeah, well, we're not. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just don't think he's good enough. And it's like, well, OK, here here's the journey that we're taking. We're not going from where we are to where we want to be in one jump. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. It's all going to be incremental. Is he better than what we've got and can we afford them? Yes. And I just, I, I don't understand if our problem is we don't score enough goals in the SPL, SPFL. Here's a guy who can score goals in the SPFL. To me, it looks a logical gamble. Now, he could come in and he could be Chris Boyd. Or he could come in and he could be Chris Killen. You don't know. But that's that's the problem. You know, we don't have three, four million pounds per, per striker. The other name that people throw up when Mo has been mentioned is Jason Cummings. And I think Jason Cummings would do a terrific job for us, despite my obvious, you know, disdain for him. Cumdog. Being. Fucking hell. And that hair. And he's blonde. He's probably probably left-handed. Um, but all of that combined, even if... Me thinking that Cummings would come in and do a terrific job for us. Does anyone realistically see Hibs selling him to us? Especially if it's miraculous. Do you know what? Do you know what the social media world has decided? They've all decided that Jason Cummings has got a, a buyout clause, which is really cheap and only applies to Rangers. Yeah. It was agreed in secret. Was it fuck? Yeah. Hibs did not say we'll give you a special cheaper buyout clause because you're the mighty Rangers. <laughs> in fact, the opposite. I bet they've doubled whatever his fee is. There's no way we're getting him cheap. Yeah, that, that's the thing. A there's at least one club in Scotland that could outbid us and would do. And two, I suspect that wages-wise, several clubs in England could, could blow us out of the but water. Even random clubs. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Derby, oh, all, Ipswich. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I mean, they, Derby are spending, you know. Like last year, I think Derby spent like, 14 million. Yeah, so... Um, it's, it's, we're so, not talking about big, so-called big clubs. The bottom half of the Championship and the top half of League One could give him what he's looking for 15 mm. say 15 grand a week without any problem if there's a deal in place and if he comes I think that'd be a really good good signing but the idea that Hibs are going to have made it have smoothed the path for us to get Cummings is total shite yeah I just like I say I just do not see it happening older bears uh, such as you and myself and others will remember the bother we had trying to get players from Dundee United when Jim McLean was there and this was when yeah. we had money I mean the Richard Goff thing Richard Goff went to Spurs for a year for us to be able to get because Dundee United point blank would not sell him to us and people always say things oh player power can force a move through kind of can it didn't work with Scott Allen and we all, we all know how that turned out so also, I, is the SPL as attractive that's the other thing player power what if Jason Cummings actually quite fancies playing for Derby or Forest hmm. or Sheffield what if playing in the SPL isn't what it was well it isn't fan, it's not and our fans have this idea that once we make our interest known that's that I don't know if it is really mm. anymore. I'm not no, I don't. Sure. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it happen. I don't. But the problem I have is that we then go for Mo, um, who has gotten people say, "Well, he, he's not good enough." And I'm like, "Well, you know, Pedro might, oh. might, you know, have have the final say on that. He clearly reckons he could do something for us." And again, it's like, why not give him a chance rather than instantly writing people off and hoping for someone from abroad that we haven't heard of who will turn it to be gold? Because it is, it's the equivalent, I've said before, it's the equivalent of the orphan in the home that, that just knows that his real parents are going to come back from one day and they're, you know, a king and queen. It doesn't always work like that, right? It'd be great if we could get in somebody who was an undiscovered, you know, the next version of Michael Malls kind of thing, but it doesn't work like that. Everybody gets scouted, everybody gets noticed. We have to pish with the cock we've got, and that means that we're going to have to look at players who, you're right, might not be able to get us straight to the level we need to go to, but they might be able to help us get us closer to it. Yes. Change as it, as it comes is going to come incrementally. We have to improve year on year. It shouldn't be difficult from this year, you would think. Um, I think this year has established that third is our base level. You know, short of um, maybe getting you and I and Dingwall and, and Cami in the team. Uh, I think that given the season we've had, as bad as we've been, third is our baseline. But now we need to improve the points tally. And if we can do that, then that's a sign of improvement. And then of the course. following season, you look to do it again. And that's how we're going to get back to where we are. We are not going to make the jump all in one go. It's so, highly unlikely. And I would say right, a couple of things, David. First, a couple of names to mention in this before I move on. In signings thing, I've heard a couple, this is rumours you can shoot down or not, but I've heard Kenny McLean, 
That's been mentioned. I don't know how much truth there is in it, but it has right. been mentioned, yep. Another deal was apparently this is an in the know person, and now the minute I hear that, I know it's utter shame. Yeah, that, right. that that's right up like, uh, uh, when when somebody uh, says to you, "This is nay kidding," by the way. Or seen America. <laughs> that's always true. Right, um, Callum Patterson when he's fit, apparently the deal's in place. Yeah, I've heard that, and you're right, and I've heard it from half decent sources. I am concerned about that one. Um, I think Callum Patterson's a decent player, right? I'm not. But you sure. know what it means, don't you? Yeah, I'm not sure. Tab's getting sold. Yeah, and that worries me a bit. Well, well, I mean, if Tab's getting sold, fine. Callum Patterson would be a sensible. Callum Patterson's been out the season with a knee injury. He's not fit again till September. Do we really want to go there? I mean, I with our track record, with our luck. Yes. See, doing this thing where we agree to buy him when he's fit, let's see just how fit he is. Yes. Um, uh, let's because... not assign anything. But I've heard that's a possibility. The other thing I would like to say, just to add on to what you're saying, and this is quite right, and this is for our fans who are young, as we found out, young, shaved testicles, shaved faces, no socks, that giant headphones on as they, as they watch the live pod. That's our demographic, okay? Mm-hmm. But they know this. We're in a situation where we have to get incrementally better. And yet we found out today that about a million pounds has been spent on the roofs. Do you see that? Yes. The roofs of Ibrox. Some of them aren't watertight. Bits have fallen off in the storm. And it turns out that Martin Bain had cancelled the regular yearly maintenance of the stadium and parts of it are falling apart. So that's the reality of where we are. We're having to get maintenance folk in to fix things that haven't been looked at for possibly years. And secondly, oh, Louis Moult. Oh, Callum Patterson, what about scouting? Do you know what I've been talking in this pod and in Mark's website and in the and in the typed version of the website, uh, the fanzine go back about twenty years about scouting. Nobody is more evangelical about scouting. We up till this season we didn't have any. Okay, mm. we'd no scout network. It all been cut. Everyone had been sacked. We'd sacked half the staff at Ibrox. We didn't even have a tea lady, probably right. And yet people are now saying we should really be looking at the finished second division. What about Uzbekistan? Look. Yes, but re- do you really think, folks, that now is the time for that? Do you think that that's where we are? It's not going to happen um, this summer, no. No, this summer we're looking for players that the manager knows. The manager's agent, who, of course, is Pedro Mendes, people that he knows, people that are known in Scotland, or people that contacts and well-wishers of the club can bring to the manager's attention. We haven't got money because everything's wrong at the club and everything's been going wrong for years. And we don't have a scouting system because we didn't have a youth system or a scouting system. We hardly had players. When we played that match that we were at in Brecon, we got a licence to play football a day and a half before. This isn't a normal situation. And if we can bring in Bruno Alves, Ryan Jack, Somalia, maybe Vlad Weiss, Louis Moult, that's pretty good going for a club who were literally fucked four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to personally savage the club or their attempts to rebuild. If any of you out there can say where we're going to get £30 million from then you're welcome to to get us at the contact details of the pod but we're starting again again for the third year in a row it's the third new team in three years it is what it is just we have to be patient and same with the youth players cheer them clap them try and get behind them travel in numbers to the away games and let's try and get more points more goals for less goals against and then go again now now I'd like to say all I back everything you've said there and everything you've heard in this podcast about being better to younger players, being more realistic about signing targets. And I want you all to know though that two or three games into the season, if we have been rubbish, Scott and I will completely flip. Um, we will. Oh, we, sack them all! Sack. We, we will. Who the fuck sanctioned Louis Moult? I mean, the guy's a cart horse, fucking idiot. I knew. It, I told you. And if you come back to us with this pod, we will simply deny that it happened. Oh, don't. See if they dare with their facts. Yeah, well, that's don't the Don't you dare. You can prove anything with evidence. Oh, our audience. They're the type, aren't they? They are the type. Our I've audience. got a cyber fact. I've got a cyber yeah. fact. Uh, well, actually, David, I think you'll find that on the uh, 23rd of May that you said that you thought it would be a good sign. Yeah, well, maybe I did. Right? Maybe I did. But I was obviously somebody doing an impression of me. Exactly. You've just been bitten by your dog. Yeah, it's, it, it's probably... It's that... It's that Alistair guy, you know the with the long face, does Gary Lineker impressions. It's him. The, the guy that only really does Gary Lineker impressions. Yeah, he's made a career out of it, in all fairness. Oh, I would have pumped that Roni and Anaconda though. She has got massive tits. I she mean like spectacularly me. massive. I know, it's like she and the big naturals as well. You don't get them many like that these days. Don't get as big, many as you big like. globby ones with like veins going through them. She was she was spectacular. Take the impression she could do. No, I wouldn't actually. It's a family show. I wouldn't. 
<laughs> I won't tell you the impression that she could do, but you can imagine. So like, what do you think? What do you think of my impression, love? What? So like, well, this in my hand. Don't you think it's a peak? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, that's that's. We always get the it's shit like that that keeps getting us the explicit rating. By the way, that's, that's why we spunk on and say, "Why the long face?" Oh, sorry, that's your pal Alistair. <laughs> You know what I mean? See, that this is why you very rarely got second dates. So, with the season closer, uh, with the end of it, there's been so many candidates for uh, the award Scott made his own. Yes, it's time for the Sporting Integrity Award. The Sporting Integrity Award is when we look around the world of football and see who's made the biggest dick of themselves over the past seven days. Named, of course, after liars, cheats, con men, journalists, Scottish football at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, Scott, there's been just a plethora. There has just been so, so much of it. I've got a couple sitting here. I'm sure you'll mention them, but if not, I'm ready to roll with them. It, it, it was a great week for Sporting Integrity. Well, I'm going to venture away from domestic scenes. I'm sure David has got many to... I am going to just take us as I always do around the world because if you think too much in Scottish sporting integrity, quite frankly, it's depressing. Mm. Um, and so I like to go abroad, and I'm going to start in Russia. Okay, mm-hmm. home of the and World Cup next the, summer. Yes, and it leads into that. They launched one of the new stadiums by hosting the Russian Cup final there. So the Cup final was held in Sochi, where they had the Winter Olympics. Remember Sochi. Sochi's new stadium, yeah. uh, the Fischt Stadium. Um, I'm, uh, people are a wee bit wary of your pronunciation, Scott, after the whole swastika thing. F I S H T. Fist. 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 Okay, stadium. And it hosted the Russian Cup finals, a dry run for 2018, okay? Okay. And the match ended, this, the Russian Cup final ended with a mass brawl, four red cards, and 64 arrests, and right police on the pitch. Well, it's just exuberance, I would have thought. You'd have thought. Deputy PM, of course, a man with previous, Vitaly Mutko, who is not a man short of opinions, all of them nonsensical, said it was a good ending to the cup final. In fact, it was like a good wedding, exciting, and then a good punch up. <laughs> and uh, obviously in Russia, it's like Scotland. <laughs> I've been to a Russian birthday party and it is like that. <laughs> well, I was at a birthday party in Russia and there were guys brawling outside and I'm sitting going... Is everybody aware that there's like four or five people? Ah, that's just Sergei's his cousin, and but and they were, I mean, really seriously knocking fuck out of each other. Ah, but no I, weapons, but, only fists. Only yes. fists, yeah. And and I mean, then at the end, they all come back out. Ah, 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 you know, you fucking more vo- more vodka. Yes, what? <laughs> Bizarre. And um, next, we're going to Brazil. Another favourite place. Okay. Do you remember Felipe Melo? I do. Uh, Savage. Tough tackling midfielder, very rarely on the field for long. Indeed. And that ties in nicely to the next story. Um, he was a couple of Felipe Melo stories. First of all, he's been banned for punching Pinarol's Matias Mera in the face during a game. We've only got one side of the story. We don't know what Matias Mera did. Correct. Although probably still shouldn't have punched him during the game. Yeah, refs, okay, refs tend to take a... Yeah, 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 okay. And secondly, he's entering politics, David. Now, oh. as you know, Romario's entered politics... Uh, the original Ronaldo, lots of people in Brazil like to involve politics. It's, it's good to see people using their fame and their influence to perhaps bring politics to people in the favelas. To make a better and, and world. Country, yeah, uh, but but maybe it's not the kind of politics that we want Philippe Mello to get involved in. He's backing the far-right presidential candidate Jair Bolsonaro, who's running on evangelical far-right pro-tor- pro-torture anti-gay ticket. Ah, pro torture. Hmm. Melo says, "Yes, I'm with this Bolsonaro. God bless hard workers. I hate gays and fuck all tramps." Ah, um. So, uh, you've probably signed up for this party. Um, I sadly, sadly, I can't vote in Brazil, but I have made a donation via PayPal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That, that, that's not the kind of party you would like to see, Lee. Um. Pretty offensive, Scott, and especially to a podcast like us, which is is not scared of the uh, of embracing pink pound. Yes, exactly. A, a pink pounding. In fact, let's just say this here now: Filippo Mello, no friend of heart and hand. Exactly, Filippo Mello, you can fuck off. And lastly, Brazil again. 
Sapuquainense president Jose Luis Cristianetti reacted after striker Marlon Nataniel was arrested on the bench before kickoff over alleged armed kidnapping extortion charges. Okay, well, if you're going to get he seemed a nice lad. Yeah, yes, indeed. Get he seemed like a nice lad. This is a surprise. Mind you, it's a sad surprise. Yes, well, yes. it certainly is. Right, well, Scott, I have a couple. Um, okay. One of which I would have won, but uh, Podder Cammy Bell tweeted me and said, I demand that this wins. And you know how well I react to demands from, you know, well, the lower orders. Since Cammy moved to um, Bucharest, it's, it's not been the same. No, exactly. I, I mean, you would think he would fucking know better. David, do what I say. No, Cammy, I'm not going to. Yes, it's quite but, simple. It's but, worked that way for years. Yes, but you agree with me. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not giving in to you. You don't give in to sort of children. Um, I, I'll do what he asked me to do when he wears a t-shirt that fits. I.e. the 29th of Julember. Exactly. Um, but this would have won, but isn't going to. Hibs, the other day, on tweet uh, on Twitter. Live tweeted in its entirety last year's Scottish Cup final. Hmm. By mistake? No, 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 no. They actually sat down and retweeted every tweet from last year's Scottish Cup final. How fucking tragic is that? Is it the only thing that's happened to them? Yes. Basically ever? Yes. The, we got one over on Rangers once. Yeah. You uh, you just know they'll be talking about it. Like they those songs. They'll make a film about it. Irvin Welsh will write the screenplay. Rahibs, <laughs> Rahibs, and that winning stuff, man. Um. So yeah, that is just too tragic for words. But the winner, and he has to be. I mean, he has to be. It's fitting. Um. As as he's been sent off, is uh, captain, leader, legend. Pikey, John Terry. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Now, I'm sure you're all aware of this, but it was John Terry's last match for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and they wanted to give him a, or they wanted to give him a send-off. Of course. And absolutely, 100% agree that they should. He has been a fantastic servant to them, a fantastic player to them, and he, I cannot stress enough how much he deserved a send-off. Everybody felt it was fitting. Nobody more so than John Terry himself, who arranged that on the 26th minute, because his squad number is 26, he would be substituted and the Chelsea players would give him a guard of honour as he left the field. What, at the end of the game? 26th minute. No, but the guard of honour would be then. No, the no. Be... Sunderland agreed to this. David Moyes showing all the, the self-respect really has been booted out of him in his time at Manchester United and uh, they now departed David Moyes of course I'm pretty I hope Sunderland sacked him for this they agreed to kick the ball out of play oh for fuck at that time and the Chelsea players lined up and captain leader legend don't leave him in a room with your, your partner John Terry walked off looking emotional now, now you hate Chelsea. I do hate Chelsea. Right. I also hate modern football. So this was. So imagine this collision. This was never going to work for you. But the thing that made me, you know, cringe. Apart from the, the, he didn't die. You know, he can still come back and visit. And I think a lap of honour after the match. Absolutely, giving him a microphone, telling him to do a speech after the match. Go for it. Everyone can stand during the game. Now, where it gets interesting is that there were a flood of bets placed on there being a throw-in in the 26th minute. Now, who could have leaked that information, David? It's hard to know. And the FA have started an investigation. And you now, think, now, I'm not naming any names, but wasn't there the time John Terry was uh, giving guided tours of Chelsea's training ground for 10 grand? Also, David, now, it's, it's a quiz, and who loves quizzes more than you? Nobody, nobody. Nobody. Name the player who was given an executive box by the FA when the new Wembley opened because he was a current internationalist at the time 
and returned it, used it only for family and friends, and who sold all the seats in the executive box for money at cup finals. <laughs> I mean, he's on 200 grand a week. It's just, oh. He... And he's a celebrity Celtic fan. Well, that's the other thing about John Terry, because a lot of Rangers fans have sympathies with Chelsea, and that's fine, absolutely. I'm not having a go at you at that at all. I don't subscribe to the belief that you automatically have to like them if you like Rangers, but if that's your English team, that's great. But John Terry is a pikey, Tim. He is, that's pretty much That's pretty and much And his mum? We, we, we won't go there. What? No. No. But Google is your friend. I think a few people have went there, but we won't. <laughs> yes. But uh, John Terry is the type of guy... Who takes sandwiches to the pictures? Yeah, he's John. John Terry sits in the pub and has a one coke and then drinks a carry at four tenants. Which he's planked in the boozer. Yes, it's planked in the boozer. To save a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, John in the Terry, toilets. right? John Terry sells his used training kit <laughs> at the end of a season. <laughs> John Terry gets his Kit Kats from a guy at the local market and he gets three for a pound. With some white socks. We could go on, but John Terry basically, Pikey, winner of this week's Sporting Integrity Award. So that's pretty much it from Heart and Hand for uh, the season. We will have one during the summer, um, at a date to be decided, and we will uh, then be back. As I say, quite quickly, you're not going to be... Now, usually I'm done in at this stage of the season, and I just I don't want to do it ever again, and Scott has to talk me down. But this year, um, I think because you know I'm living a more relaxed lifestyle, um, I, I can assure you we will be back for our, uh, get this, our eighth year, Scott. We are thinking, of course, you see, David and I, it's not going the way we'd, we'd hoped. We were toying with basically retiring the pod when we won the title again. Yeah. I don't think we're going to live no, it's, it's, that long. That, <laughs> so, that, that, that idea has been shelled. Um, yeah. but, but we will definitely be back for another another season next season. And uh, we always thank, but um, very much so, again, to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles, and all the team at Playback for all their hard work. Um, it's very much appreciated over the season. I would like to thank uh, all of you guys for um, for listening, because without it, this is just you know a group of pent up homosexual men flirting with each other. We've said that before. Uh, you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ibroxrock. Scott is Scott Hart Hand at Scott Hart Hand Technology Grandpa. Yes, the same right but he is uh, Canny is at beat that beat Mark is at Grandmaster Suck um, and Ian Hogg is at Vanderhog. so that's how you can get in touch with us or if you'd rather go the Facebook route get in touch with us just search for Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast on Facebook and you'll find us there uh, so that's that's pretty much it for the season then Scott final thoughts well I would like to thank uh, David for having me on I'd like to thank everyone who made the live pod such a success. I'd like to thank my family. I'd like to say rest in peace, Roger Moore, who was uh, the greatest Bond of all, of course. Are you fucking winding me up? <laughs> yes. Um, but um, And I would like to thank everyone who's a friend of the pod, everyone who downloads the pod, especially to thousands of Celtic sporting uh, downloaders. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next season with a full new team and a trip to the Faroe Islands in the first round of the Europa League qualifiers. Can't wait. Well, for me, I want to thank you, Scott. Again, uh, another another fun season, and uh, he, he's very much the stalwart. He's the Kenny Miller, even though he won't enjoy the, the comparison. A couple uh, of years from now, I'm getting a testimonial pod. Yes, that's true, actually. This is eight, yeah. so uh, in a few, you know, ten we need to get to yeah. for that to happen. I want, Ever- I want Everton. You want the Everton pod? We'll see if we can get you a spot on that. Yeah. They're, they're, can you imagine the accents of for an hour? No, sorry, no, you haven't thought this through, mate. You haven't thought this through. Um, and on behalf of myself, uh, like I say, thank you so much for listening, Scott. There, I want to thank everyone who made the live pod such a success. Um, me, so I accept those thanks. The talent, uh, yeah. the talent, um, and the guys at the Loudon and, and Greg for helping us put it all together. Everyone who turned up, and <sighs> look, it's been a bastard of a year. But we're in the top flight. That, from where we were to where we are now, 
it is progress. And you know what? We're closer. We're a family. We're a fighting family. We fight like fuck, but we are a family. And I took my nephew to the game for the first time this season. It was his first season ticket. And you look about and you see kids going in for the first time. You see post, people posting pictures on social media. You see the fans making up new daft songs like the Joe Garner thing. You see them celebrating their last minute winner at Fire. You see them doing the bouncing around Pedro. And you just think to yourself, I'm a part of this and it's bigger than me and it goes on forever. And fuck everyone who doesn't get it because you know what? They don't matter. And you know why? Because we're the people. Take care. Speak to you again next season. Bye. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.